What's up? Here we are. Welcome in Thursday, October 7th here on Sports 1140 KHK. Jason Ross here with you. Thanks again to Frank LaRosa joining me in that last hour as we were discussing all things golf on our weekly Golf to Go Golf Hour. Hopefully you enjoyed that. And now we've got a couple of hours before Thursday night football right here on Sports 1140 KHK. Good Thursday night game this week. Should be a good game. Seahawks, Rams in Seattle. Following us, that's coming up at 5 o'clock. But we're glad you're here with us today. Thank you so much for checking in. And uh, let's do it. we got a lot of things to cover today in our amount of time that we have with you. We'll get into the Kings. 2-0 in the preseason. Oh, by the way, Chris, um, I don't know. Since Doug Christie joined the coaching staff, they lost a game. Back that's to, right. Back to the summer, back to now. I mean, I don't know. Just facts. I don't, I'm just bringing up facts. That's all. I did call it. You did. So... I don't think they're ever going to lose. Ever. I don't see any reason why they would lose. Right. Um, but Actually, you know, they'll lose, uh, they'll lose two games to an Eastern Conference team. That they'll meet in the finals later? Yeah. And everyone will think that Eastern Conference team will beat them, and then the Kings sweep them? Yes. Like, where are you going with that? The Nets. Oh, the Nets. Yeah. Will, will Kyrie be there or not? Ooh. I think that's going to be the big one. <laughs> um, so we will get into the Sacramento Kings. We do have... A lot of baseball to discuss, including, I guess I should start here, because before we get to first things first, if you've heard the show the last couple of days, uh, Chris has kind of made it his project to give us sounders. And so, you know, baseball games are going on during the show. Uh, There's one going on right now. It's currently the American League Division Series, and it's the White Sox and the Houston Astros. And the uh, Houston Astros are at home. They're looking good right now. That's in the bottom of the fifth. Houston's got a 5-0 lead, so things are good right now for the Houston Astros. But if there's any kind of update... Looks like there might be. Is there an instant update? Oh, how about this? Well, let's identify it with this sounder. I don't know what you're suggesting there, Chris. It sounded a lot like trash cans to me. This is radio. Is that... Update for the White Sox, the Astros. I heard trash cans. That's what I heard. Let me fire it one more time. Yeah. And maybe that's a segue for Jordan Alvarez, who just went, yad. It's 6 nothing Houston in game one of that series. But White Sox fans, don't fret. You might come back. And if you do... I got to hear that one more time because I, I yeah. that got you. I wasn't. No. Where did you take that Urkel from? Yeah, I found it. Oh, it just sounds like it's his voice was even changed more than. Uh, I don't think you've seen. You never saw us Family Matters. I didn't see an episode. No, but I obviously know who Urkel. I'd say is. that's probably season three, season four ish. How many seasons were there? Eight. Were there? Yeah. Oh man. Uh, in the final season, and they actually switched networks. They went from ABC to CBS, and I don't remember the last season too much, but I remember that he went to space. What? Yeah, and there was a new mom. I was about to say, did they have any kind of casting changes yeah. or add a kid? Or There was a new mom. But not by divorce, just a different actress. Yes. Okay. And what's funny is I think Family Matters started because she was the spinoff from... Perfect Strangers. Oh, okay. Now I watch that. I watch Balky. 
Yeah, so she, I don't know where she worked on the show, but uh, her husband, Carl, was a cop. Yes. And then they made a show based off of that. Do you remember on the lowdown when we had maybe the greatest call of all time when the guy oh, called about yes. the Carl conspiracy? <laughs> we, it, do we have connected, that anywhere? I'm sure I could find it, but it connects Family Matters. Die Hard. Die Hard and Ghostbusters. In, like, when you hear it, you're like, okay, whatever. But it was explained the most incredible, <laughs> Mike. Mind blown. Like, I don't know what's happening, but this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. That was pretty amazing. That was pretty amazing. All right. So those are the sounders you will hear as uh, this game is going to be going on during the show. We will have uh, baseball to preview because we got the series a lot of people wanted. We'll be talking about that today. We'll preview the Rams and Seahawks. We've got the crossover and the baseball updates throughout the day. Plus, another chance for you guys to win tickets to see the Eagles who are coming to Golden One Center next week. For tickets and more information, visit khdk.com. But let's do it. Let's start you out with First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. Fox has a long lead pass, goes up the floor to Mitchell, up and down, reverse. He's got the basket, and that may be the play of the night thus far by the Kings. Great look up the floor by De'Aaron Fox. G-Man on the call last night right here on your home of the Kings, Sports 1140 khdk and Davion Mitchell, the rest of the Kings, uh, did what they needed to do. And again, preseason, we'll say it, we'll keep saying it. It doesn't matter if they win. You like that they played and they won. I think what mattered in last night's game, I there was a little tweak to the starting lineup. Read into that if you want or not. I think Luke Walton's just trying different concepts. We saw consistency with Barnes, Halliburton, and Fox changing out Bagley and changing out Holmes. He put in Mo Harkless and Tristan Thompson. Harkless was fine. There was nothing wrong with his game. I thought Thompson was a nice addition, at least the way he rebounded to begin the game. And it looked good. Uh, I think the second unit had their moments, certainly too, when they're playing about 11 guys right now. And I think the challenge, early challenge with this team is to see how that roster will be trimmed down a little bit uh, as far as 10, maybe nine guys playing on a night tonight basis. But that could get up to as many as 11. Uh, We'll see how Luke Walton does that. But I think you look at a team in last night's game specifically. Uh, first quarter was actually pretty strong. I like the way the Kings started. Second quarter was their worst quarter of the night. And then the third quarter, yes, I get it. Uh, the Clippers came out with, they benched their starting five and didn't play Paul George and Batum and Zubats, Bledsoe, Reggie Jackson again. So the Kings should win. They did. And they dominated. I mean, they just blew them out. They were up by as much as, what, 27 points? That's what you need to do when you're in a game that's tied at the half. They rest their guys, and you outscore them 38-17 in the third and just build a, a comfortable lead and cruise to a victory. So I'm not that uh, enamored about them being 2-0. and It's about how have they played, how have they looked, and there's more good things. I think a couple things to watch from last night. I know Coach Walton wanted them to rebound a little bit better than they did because if they're going to play that small lineup, they got to be able to defend and rebound. I thought they did a good job of defending for the most part of the night, just not finishing the last part of defense and getting enough rebounding, but took care of the basketball, spread the wealth, got guys that uh, Terrence Davis got crazy hot in the fourth quarter, but good balance. And again, this team has taken, uh, took 43 more three-pointers last night. So I think when it's just by nature of playing three guards a lot, you're going to get shots that are beyond the arc. I didn't think of this team as a great three-point shooting team, but they may take a good amount by volume and hopefully hit a good enough percentage that you feel you're rewarded by that. So long way to go. 
even before the regular season starts, right? It's less than two weeks now for that, but two more preseason games, continue to stay healthy, continue to look at tweaks and, and lineups that the coach will like when they're armed and ready to go for the regular season. But uh, good performance by the Sacramento Kings last night. First things first. All right, yesterday we talked a lot about the NL wildcard game. How would it play out? I, I'm thinking for Cardinals fans, you had this game in the exact terms that you wanted it in. You scored first off Scherzer. Scherzer was rocky. Now, he was gritty, though. He was able to stay in the game longer than maybe he his performance was was warranted, but he kept getting out of jams. The Cardinals will look back at missed opportunities, leaving runners in scoring position. Uh, the, it was their worst night of the year, and it came in the playoffs in the in the wild card game. They had chances to extend on a one nothing lead more than really the Dodgers did. But even when it was one one after Turner homered, this game is is still kind of in the Cardinals' terms. They got to the the back end of the Dodgers bullpen. I think that's where they're slightly vulnerable. Jansen's had some miscues there. They got out of that jam and. Honestly, had the uh, Dodgers not had the heroics, I think they might still be playing. Let's hear how it uh, played out first from the uh, Cardinals radio network. A one-to-one game in the bottom of the ninth inning at Dodger Stadium. The pitch. A swing and a long one to left. It is gone. A two-run homer. And the Dodgers are going to San Francisco. Chris Taylor hits a two-run homer off Alex Reyes. And this ball game has come to an end. A celebration at home plate, and the Dodgers beat the Cardinals 3-1. to one. Walk-offs are sweet. I mean, if it's not your team, sure, it hurts. It, but those are those are great moments in baseball. And uh, here's how it sounded on the Los Angeles Dodgers radio network. Reyes on 2-1. and one. Taylor, fly ball to left, and deep, and down! Chris Taylor, a walk-off home run. The Dodgers are walking off to San Francisco. They win the wild card. Three to one. Here comes Taylor to the plate. They are mobbing him. The crowd is going crazy. The Dodgers advance to the National League Division Series with one mighty swing by Chris Taylor. You know, yesterday when we were talking about this game, uh, something I wanted to say on the air and you know, the Kings were playing last night. We were at the arena. Chris and I were talking down the line, too. I, I saw the lineups come out, and I realized they were going to play what Beattie at first and not Pujols, and I thought, oh, you know what's going to happen? I wouldn't be surprised if Pujols comes up in, like, a key spot. He's going to win it, isn't he? He's going to be the one. And I wanted to say it on the air, and then it slipped my mind, forgot about it, and then sure enough, watching the game, forgot I even had that thought, and Chris and I had the same thought at the same time. Pujols is leading off the ninth, and I went, He's going to, he's, here it is. He's going to homer. You said that to me down the IFB, Chris. And then when it jumped off his bat, I thought he did it. I thought he hit a home run. It was a little bit low off the bat, but I thought, oh my gosh, did Pujols just beat his former team? Um, but he hit it well, hit it to center. Dodgers had another one like that. They get a runner on. And then that moment for Chris Taylor, uh, just amazing. Here he is post game. Chris, congratulations. Was that the biggest hit of your life? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Of course it is. Of course it is. He's been in other moments. He's had some big opportunities and big uh, times to come through. But that's got to be uh, amongst the great thrills in sports 
if you hit a walk off home run too, not just, I mean, getting the game winning hit, there's, I mean, that's, that's a great thrill where you get mobbed, maybe rounding first, but that moment in time where you must be floating on air, rounding first and second, and just knowing you just have to complete the, the, the bags and run around and get it home and see how much they beat you up when you cross home plate. And the best part of it, certainly if you're a Dodger fan, and I would say if you're a Giants fan, because we got it. We got the series that the 162 games made us wonder about who's going to be the wild card team, who's going to be in jeopardy of possibly being out. Could it be the Giants? Could it be the Dodgers? Well, it was the Dodgers, yet they won. So now we have the two best records in baseball. I wish it was a seven-game series, but playing a five-game series starting tomorrow night. San Francisco is going to be crazy this weekend. And L.A. was festive last night. I mean, they got into it, as they should. And I can tell you my own opinion on this rivalry is it means more to the Giants fans. And I think what the Giants have done in the 2010 range with 10, 12, and 14 winning World Series when the Dodgers were winning a bunch of games and falling short and not winning World Series until finally breaking through last year, there was probably a time where the Dodgers thought, yeah, okay, cute, nice nice effort, Giants. We don't care about you. We're thinking bigger things. They care about the, the Giants now. They do. And the rivalry is is more even as far as how much – the Dodgers probably dislike the Giants. The Giants, we know they dislike the Dodgers and their fans. And so this is good. This is so great for baseball. I don't know how it will register outside of California, but we're here. We're in this area. It will be a big deal to a lot of people here. And we're going to break down this series coming up at 4. It is as even as you can possibly get. It really is. Like when you break these things down and you go, okay, offense versus offense. We're going to get into that, but who do you give the edge to? And if you give the edge in any of these categories, it can't be massive. It really can't. I think the one that leans towards a larger advantage might be Dodgers starting pitching, but one of that has already been taken away because I think if you start Scherzer in game one, Bueller or Urias, you get Scherzer twice. Well, he's pitching game three. You're not going to get him twice. And you get Bueller and other guy, but okay, Logan Webb has been crazy good. Gossman had a great first half. The Giants pitching staff is good. Just the Dodgers have names that we've seen succeed in the postseason before. So pitching staff, hitting, defense, bullpen. The regular season, what was it, ten to nine? Giants? This is they're separated by one game? This is awesome. This is absolutely going to be great. And I hope it plays the way that it looks like it should on paper. Even contested games, feuded rivalry. Man, I'm really looking forward to it. That's going to be a lot of fun. It gets started tomorrow. Let's give you, a, and again, more, much more on this coming up at 4 o'clock. First things first. First things first. All right. Well, now we've got the American League Division Series going right now as we speak. With one game, it's the White Sox and the Astros. And we gave you the uh, sounder earlier. Right now, it's all Houston leading game one. Six to nothing is the score. White Sox, who have a good offense, right now have just one base hit off McCullers. He's gone five and two-thirds, giving up one hit. 
Struck out four, no walks. Walks are a killer in the postseason. Keep in mind the White Sox have walked three batters for the Astros. Astros have that uh, Alvarez homer that we uh, mentioned earlier. Uh, let's see who else. on uh, Alvarez has knocked in two. Brantley's knocked in a couple. So we've had some pretty good things go on here uh, for the Astros, who just had another play here to end the top of the fifth. One caught right at the wall. So Houston is going to go to the bottom of the sixth with a 6 nothing lead. I know a lot of people across the nation are not rooting for the Houston Astros. The one reason to, and there's only one in my mind, it's for Dusty. I'm just a big fan of his. I want him to do well. I would love to see him break through and get a World Series. I don't love the Astros, but I'm a huge fan of Dusty Baker. So White Sox are a good team. Looks like today is going to be a bad day for them and be down 0-1, but five-game series, If for the White Sox side of things, they hope this is their bad performance and they can regroup. The American League Others Division Series, Boston and Tampa, uh, that one starts right after we conclude our show today, a little bit after five, right when we're going to Thursday night football. Uh, Rodriguez going for Boston, McClanahan going for Tampa, separated by, what, eight games this year. They played each other quite a bit. Tampa's just good. They're so complete. That is such a complete team that has the experience from a year ago. I told you I like Tampa coming out of the American League. I thought the Yankees were the one team that was capable of getting out of there. They're gone. Boston beat them, deserved to beat them. Now it's Tampa and Boston. Just like the Giants and the Dodgers, these two teams have so much knowledge and experience of one another from their matchups in the regular season. But I just think the better team here is Tampa, the most consistent. They've got multiple ways to beat you. That's what you need come postseason time. And I look for the Rays to advance past the Red Sox. But game one uh, coming a little bit later today. All right, let's get more First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. First. The last two weeks we've been talking about in the NFL, the power of the NFC West. We knew it was a good division. It has football's only undefeated team remaining at this point, just four weeks in the Arizona Cardinals, who will play the Niners. So two weeks in a row, we're seeing the division play each other. So they got the Cardinals and the Niners on Sunday, but tonight in Thursday Night Football, the Rams and the Seahawks. Seattle's 2-2 two and two now after that win against the 49ers this last weekend. While the Rams were undefeated before they got that matchup with the Arizona Cardinals, ultimately to lose that one uh, last weekend. I look for the Rams to bounce back in this one. We'll kind of dive into this game as well a little bit later in the show. But this is an opportunity where I think when you kind of look on the scale here, I just think the Rams are a little bit more complete. you got two really good quarterbacks, two experienced coaches now. I mean, Pete Carroll's done this forever. But McVay is a, is a good coach, has done it, has been in the battles. Um, we think about rivalries in this division, and here's another one. I, I just love this matchup. I think it's a great Thursday night. Last week, I wasn't that excited for the matchup we had with Jacksonville and Cincinnati. It turned out to be a actually a pretty good game. This one on paper should be a good game, and I think it will hold up to that. like the Rams' offense a little bit more, even though Russell Wilson we know can pull off some late-game magic. Uh, I think the Rams prevail today, but this is a good one to watch. I think about the the scope of the division. It might be beneficial for everybody, I guess, if Seattle won. We'd put them at 3-2, and two, put the Rams at 3-2, and two, and now see if the Cardinals get that win over the Niners or not. But um, it's a great division. Not a lot of holes between all the teams. I don't think there's a lot of difference. I mean, record-wise right now, I mean, the Cardinals are the one. That's 4-0. Oh, but 
this this division's going to shuffle each week, and it's these kind of matchups that are, that are going to dictate it. Does anyone dominate the division? Does anyone control these head-to-head matchups that you have with the other three teams and go five and one or six and zero? Oh? Well, that's humongous if anybody's able to do that. So, I don't see that happening. I think the division is too balanced. I think they beat each other up, and then they beat up on everyone else outside of their division because these are all very very good teams. So we're looking forward to. Having that game for you, following us at 5 o'clock. First things first. First things first. All right, the last one here. We've talked about this kind of story for a while, and I'm a little surprised in some areas it's taken this long. But yesterday, we didn't get to this one in time, but uh, the L.A. area, and L.A. specifically, I'm talking about Staples Center, has become yet another arena that's going to mandate the vaccine for which is now what the home of the in hockey the la kings home of the clippers and home of the lakers and i would not be surprised with san francisco having it los angeles having it if it doesn't become a thing in sacramento as well as of now it's not you can enter the arena with proof of vaccine or a negative test uh for those that are working we all have to be vaccinated in there but i think there's other options uh as of now but this is setting up potential other situations i think it was yeah it was frank vogel who went out of his way to say basically the lakers are all vaccinated i don't know what the situation is with the clippers who the kings played last night but we're really hearing about kyrie irving and the struggles of of how that's going to be going forward if he continues to have his stance of not wanting to get vaccinated Uh, right now he cannot participate in practices in new york won't be able to play in home games in new york We had talked about Andrew Wiggins with the Warriors. Well, he ultimately has received at least the first shot. I don't know whether he did Johnson & Johnson or one of the other two. Johnson & Johnson. Oh, he did do Johnson & Johnson? Okay. So that's the only shot he needed. So he will be – because the point being is if he had done one of the others, you at least have had to have done your first shot on your way to the second. So he's covered at least on what the league mandate is and these policies and these specific uh, jurisdictions. So we'll see – with L.A. now joining New York and San Francisco with the strict vaccine mandate. That um, will be an interesting way to see how this all continues to go with the NBA. And they've got a really good percentage rate, probably higher than a lot of other entities out there. And I know the Players Association wanted to highlight that more than those that weren't vaccinated, saying, look, we're at 95% plus of people that have been vaccinated, and that's, I think, certainly a good thing. But there's a few little kind of outliers there that you're trying to figure out how this will impact games, practices, and teams uh, as the season is almost here. Speaking of that, last night the Kings did play. When we come back, we'll take some more, uh, have some more takeaways from Kings preseason game number two, things we liked, things the Kings need to work on, and some sound from the guys as well. We'll get that as we continue right here on Sports 1140 KHTK. Carrier pass to Zubox, broken up beautifully by the Kings, grabbed by Davion Mitchell, leads it out. Harrison Barnes to the rim, and he scores on the breakaway as we hit the six-minute mark of quarter number one. Stuff last night, preseason action for the Sacramento Kings. They're off until Monday, preseason game number three. They get the Blazers in Portland, then it's the Lakers here a week from tonight. 
And then uh, six days after that, the NBA season will start for the Sacramento Kings. So far in the preseason, I've liked what I've seen. I think there's a couple of things that have have stood out to me watching this team at this point. And certainly it's – and Luke Walton has brought it up multiple times. I think the strength of this team on roster construction is their depth and the guards. And I don't know what combination – we've all been talking about this a lot already, the three guards, but that's not three names we're treating exclusively as they've got to play these three. That's pretty open to me. Terrence Davis shows more than an ability to score. Buddy Heald, I like him coming off the bench. He's shown, obviously, over his career how how much of a scorer he can be. Not afraid to shoot. He is not afraid to shoot. What did Buddy do last night? What was his final numbers? Whew, 3 of 13 from 3. I think it was 0 of 7, something like that, 0 of 6, 7, somewhere in there. Uh, but he's going to shoot, and for the most part, I think he took one or two that were bad. Those were open. Uh, Fox, Halliburton, Mitchell. They all, in some way, shape, or form, need to play. Now, when that those guys are playing, and as Coach has said, if they rebound and defend well enough, they can keep the three guards out there. I think that group's going to be able to score. So that hurts the front court, whether that's Marvin Bagley, Tristan Thompson, Alex Len, Rashawn Holmes, Harrison Barnes to an extent, Harkless. Those are the other guys that all can play. But if you're playing three guards, you're taking out one less front court person. So I, I could see a minutes on certain teams being down for – that collection of players. I think Barnes is going to be in there a lot. He is really important glue piece to this team. But whether that's Rashawn Holmes getting a little less time than normal, Len, Thompson, Bagley, Harkless, I think those guys are going to be impacted. What's crazy is, I was talking to you about this earlier, is we've all heard about Davion Mitchell's defense. Mm -hmm. We saw it last night. Have you ever seen a rookie have so many... Uh, highlights of them playing defense coming in or just like, oh, man, you got to watch this guy D someone up coming out of college? I can't because that's part of the problem, I think, with the best college players that come out are generally one-year guys. Yes. And they're noticed because they're gifted offensively or some sort of freak ability. Greatest shooter, super big, Like Fox came in as a good defender. Yeah, but he was known for his quickness. But yeah, it's just like, oh man, look how quick he is to the basket. Yeah, and I still think when he commits to it and really locks in defensively, he's pretty good. But I've never seen someone. Now it's four years of playing, but that's not even it. I don't think for for Davion Mitchell watching him, he truly. It, it you know we talk about like Tyrese Halliburton has the instincts to get to place to place. Mitchell has a combo, Chris, of the instincts and the ability. And he just, you know, for lack of a better term, it's like he shadows. He beats you to the spot that you want to get to. Yeah, and and I don't know if it's just he sees it a a slight bit ahead and has the ability to get there. Like, you you know, you could be guarding someone like, oh, he's going right. Well, you can't get, you can't stop him. He can do that. Um, He's, you know, he doesn't look like he's always, like, over aggressively sliding his feet. He's just he's in the right spot. Almost like someone um I don't know, I kept saying shadow or mirror. It's just he's right on right on cue with these offensive players. And the key in the NBA, it's so hard to stay in front of your man, the first guy. If you can break down the first guy, then help. If he can alleviate that or help that defensively, I shouldn't use the word help. If he can alleviate the other team from getting by him first, it just 
protects the rest of the defense so much. He's been he's been impressive. And last night too, offensively, made all his threes. He scored 13 points. Plus minus, he was the best on the Kings in the first game. He was plus 17 yesterday. Now, granted, the Kings ended up throttling the Clippers, but um, a lot of guys were in the positive there, and he was good. Let's hear what Luke Walton had to say after the game. Another good effort. Uh, we talk about how you know practice games, preseason. We want to play a certain way every time, and uh, for the most part tonight, we did that again. Clean up the big cleanups from tonight is we too many free throws. Twenty five free throws is, is too many to, to give up, and we got out rebounded and gave up fourteen offensive rebounds, uh, which is uh, something that we struggled with last year and we've addressed uh, throughout training camp. So those two things have to be uh, much better overall. Please with the uh, effort we got from the guys. Yeah, I think you should be, and then I think the difference between preseason game number one and number two. De'Aaron was kind of going through the motions, I would say, in the first preseason game. And of all the players, he can. I don't think anybody's worried in the slightest about De'Aaron. Then he comes out yesterday, and he attacked the game much more. He had some moves where, in rhythm, um, his quickness is about as unguardable in the league. But he had a hard jab step, step back jumper, lefty, obviously, just swished. Nothing but net. When he makes stuff like that and makes it look easy, he is going to be a major problem for defensive teams for teams individuals team concepts defensively and look the guy scored 25 points a game last year so he's already been shown that he's gifted and can do that but he had a lot of things going his way uh yesterday and I I liked it I liked what I saw here's De'Aaron talking about kind of what he's working on on his uh his preseason oh man physically I feel good I feel ready I feel still feel fast uh I feel stronger being able to get to my spots um all of that, I mean, I'm still trying to, you know, play the same way, shoot the ball better, um, still get guys involved. So nothing, nothing in that aspect, in that aspect is really changing. Um, but you know, we're pretty much just tuning up, uh, getting ready for the season. Uh, that's how I, that's how I handle, that's how I take the preseason. Um, you know, just building blocks to being ready for the first game. Well, he looks ready. The team, for the most part, I think looks ready. But there's fine tuning. Coach Walton mentioned it. Uh, trying to defend without fouling. The Clippers got there 25 times. Uh, rebound a little bit better. The Kings rebounded great against the Suns. They didn't last night per se. But I think offensively, they're going to be just fine. I mean, I really do. And Fox is going to be a big, big part of that. Here, let, Let's hear Fox talk a little bit more on kind of what they've been addressing, what the team focus has been, and also that second part about whatever the combination may be of the five guards that they have playing three of them at a time. You know, right now, defensively, that's what we're, that's our main focus right now. Um, you know, making guys miss, being able to get a defensive rebound. Um, you know, we didn't do that well tonight, but with our defense making them miss is what we did well. Uh, we got beat on the glass today. I think we have 14 offensive rebounds. So that's something that we have to uh, do a lot better at as a, as a, as a unit. Um, and then other than that, you know, when I'm out there with those guys, I'm telling them, you know, be aggressive. Uh, not many teams are going to have, you know, three different guys, that could pretty much, you know, stay in front of all of us, um, you know, out there at the same time. So when, when those guys are out there, I just tell them to be aggressive. Obviously want the game to come to guys, but sometimes you got to go out there and just take stuff. And, uh, and I let them know that. And I think that's the other thing that's going to be really important in this season. Their coaches are, can be proactive or they can be reactive. Something we talked about yesterday with, with Lincoln Kennedy, when he was on the show, 
I think a proactive move from Luke Walton and the Kings coaching staff, and certainly right now it seems like this is what they want to do is play three guards, and I think it makes a ton of sense. Those are some of their best players. And, okay, so you're playing a big team, and they're putting some pressure on you with their size. The reaction is take out a guard, put in another big, and and go that way. I think you can do that. I think the more pressure you can apply and force on the other team to fit into your strengths, I think this team's strengths are going to be with those three guards, whatever the combination of the five of them with three out there. It's going to be difficult for opposing teams to play those Kings guards and make them bring in another small or another wing as opposed to trying to counter with a big. And at some point there's a, okay, if they're just winning that, too much then maybe there has to be the reaction but you know there was times when you can have a certain team that just has certain abilities I know like when the Warriors were really cooking they would always try to say well let's try to get Steph into pick and roll people are trying to switch and get Steph on the ball all the time and exploit him and yes all of that makes sense but he's a two-time MVP played great last year like the amount of value he brings all the time offensively puts so much pressure on the other team you're not taking him out and I think the Kings have players like that not exactly like Steph but the point being is uh, that can put the pressure on the opposing team on the opposing defenses on the opposing individuals and that's going to make it really really difficult so I think if they can play it in their terms more often than reacting to the size of another team I like I like what I'm seeing from the Sacramento Kings team and it, it puts a little more on what someone else to play out of position like Harrison Barnes well he can handle that he has and shown his ability. If you rebound well enough with your guards, and certainly defend well enough if you're undersized, we talked about the uh, one thing I did with Henry the other day on the pregame show was we haven't seen a guy like Davion Mitchell be bothered by size yet. Unless yesterday we all saw a couple sequences where he switched out and guarding Paul George. People haven't backed him down as of now, and he, he's strong. He's quick. He's certainly not going to back down from the challenge, and I think that also helps to keep it on your terms. We want to play the three guards. We're going to keep the three guards. I don't care if you play big guys, as long as our guards can defend and rebound. I think that should be the philosophy of Coach Luke Walton. All right, speaking of defense, Chris was kind of talking about it. It's amazing, a quote coming from De'Aaron Fox that we want you to hear when we come back. And reminder, coming up at the top of the hour, we got to get into the series everybody's looking forward to, Dodgers and Giants. We will do that. We'll come back with much more here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Coming up at 5, Thursday Night Football, Rams and Seahawks here on KHDK. Uh, when we start our next hour, do a little deep dive. Dodgers, Giants, so excited for this five-game series that begins tomorrow. Man, that's I, I hope it is as great as it feels like it's going to be. I mean, I just really do. I think we're going to get intense baseball, as we do in the postseason. Uh, the genuineness of the rivalry, it's never happened, these two teams in the postseason. Uh, since they've been in California. It's just awesome. Absolutely awesome. So looking forward to that. We, a few more things on the Kings, too, to, to wrap up this hour. Uh, Chris brought it up earlier, and it, it's an interesting thought about Davion Mitchell because I know when the night the Kings drafted him, there were a lot of question marks, and not even about Davion. That wasn't really it. It was, why are you taking him when you're strength? You've already kind of identified your core as being Fox and Halliburton. 
and at the moment you still had Buddy Heald, which they still do now too. And there was some thought that they're going to re-sign Terrence Davis. Well, they've done that too. But you just have to watch him play. And to think about how many guys come out of college just known so much for their defense, and would it be NBA ready? Well, he is NBA ready on multiple levels. I think with his just maturity, playing all the years he did in college, and a lot of these guys won in high school and then won in college, but he won the national championship, part of it, right? Had the run, been on a good program, and has been asked to be that kind of elite defender, national player, defensive player of the year. And he comes here, and he certainly looks special defensively, but that's our eyes. What what do others around him say? Well, this was amazing what De'Aaron Fox said yesterday post-game talking about his rookie teammate. And it's great. It's great when he's he's locked in on the ball. It's like, like it's crazy to watch the way that he just – he's able to stop and go. Uh, it hurts my legs watching, but – um, I mean, he's such a great one-ball defender. Like, he's in the league right now. He's top five, I say, one-ball defenders in the league right now. And when you watch him, it's it's just amazing. Like, it's something that's – that's he does stuff on the ball that you just can't teach. Um, and, I mean, that's that's what's making him great. But on the other hand, like I said, I, I tell him, man, go out there and, and do what you do. You know, um, you're going to you're gonna be out there to make plays for us, make it easier on, on guys, um, to score the ball. Uh, he does everything. I think he's going to do everything at a high level, especially obviously once he gets used to playing at this at, a, at an NBA level. But defensively, it's it's already there. I mean, what he does on the ball translates no matter where you're playing, and uh, he's showing that right now. Already in this league, he is a top five on the ball defender. Those words from De'Aaron Fox earlier in the week. We talked about the NBA GM survey. Who is the best perimeter defender in the NBA? Here is what the GM said. Number one, Drew Holiday. Number two, Ben Simmons. Number three, Jimmy Butler and Kawhi Leonard. Tied for third. Fifth, Giannis Antetokounmpo. You got Patrick Beverly and Marcus Smart also getting votes. Wouldn't expect a rookie to be in there without playing an NBA game. But for Fox to say that, obviously he's worked against him in practice. And I don't even know whether we need to debate the merits of whether or not it's true. It was a bold statement. Watching him play, though, okay, if you want to say he's not top five, you're probably saying he's top ten. When was the last time the Kings had a defender on the perimeter? We said that about Doug Christie, I think. I mean, it really was the last time the Kings had a perimeter defender that really locked in like that. And when people talk about comparisons, it's really difficult. I've heard Patrick Beverly. I've heard Marcus Smart. The one, actually, I I do like as a comparison, though the size discrepancy is, is noticeable. I really think Drew Holiday and Mitchell defend in the same kind of style. Um like that mirroring and shadowing, just like really just sliding so well and moving in anticipation with the player that has the ball. And then the other part that Mitchell has is kind of the nose for the basketball. He's just relentless. He doesn't stop. 
and he's going to play like that in the summer league. He's going to play like that in a practice. He's going to play like that in a regular season game. And I don't know what the true value of that is as far as turning that into points, cutting off points from another team. It just makes the Kings better defensively with one individual on a position in the league that is so highly coveted offensively, right? The wings, the perimeters, the guards, the ones and the twos, who's probably going to guard the most. It's so exciting to see him play like that. And then you you kind of parcel it all out with what they have defensively. You get the toughness of a guy like Terrence Davis. You've got the instincts of Tyrese Halliburton. And I think some great ability from De'Aaron Fox. And now you throw in what Davion Mitchell is doing. And I think of others that aren't that didn't get votes on this list for best perimeter defender. Uh, I would say Thibel certainly should be on that list from Philly. Um, I really like Jimmy Butler. I think he's a good defender. Kawhi, obviously, too. Kawhi's just so strong and big hands and is just – anytime you kind of put the ball down in front of him, he's got it. He's going to just rip it away from you. Whereas I think about Davion Mitchell, one of the plays that – Again, these are small things that stuck out to me in the the home preseason game when they were taking on Phoenix, and he was guarding Cameron Payne, and he's bothering him. He's being an irritant. He's doing, you know, he's turning him and turning him, and they're in. They finally cross the front court, get it past the timeline, and Phoenix is trying to run their offense. And I don't know if it was it was Aiton. DeAndre Aiton had to come and set a screen almost all the way out near half court to free up Cameron Payne. And just because of the aggressive nature of Mitchell and the ability to stay in front of his man, Phoenix now had to do something that they're not normally accustomed to doing. Now, Aiton set screens up top all the time. We're not talking about the top of the key. It was out extended. There's a Golden 1 logo out there spelled out. He was out there having to set this screen. That's out of their offensive norm. So now all of a sudden, if you're the hedge guy and it's Holmes or Len or Thompson or the big that's has his big set in the screen, you don't have to worry about the big rolling way out there just because of what seems to be a self-initiated defensive attempt to make it difficult on the opponent. And I just love his style. I love his tenacity. And he's just getting started. But the fact that on paper, when it was done on draft night, I understood why people were a little confused. But now when it's laid out, and this is the roster today, you could still see having this luxury of all these guards of pieces being moved later. And Mitchell's going to help this team. And for a team that last year at times was the worst in the league and historically the worst, he is going to help with just being one person. I think rebounding better, Thompson and Len and toughness that they're providing. This team is going to be better defensively. Statistically, I don't know how much better, but they're not going to be at the bottom. They're not going to be the dead last team. And and being a top 10 offense with being around 20, I, I like the, the odds there of the Kings improving quite a bit uh, just because of an improvement on the defensive end. All right, so I was impressed with what De'Aaron Fox had to say about him. Strong words of him being in the top five on-ball defenders already in the NBA. Break time for us. One final hour ahead. Busy hour ahead in this next hour. Your chance to win tickets to see the Eagles. We will have the crossover. We will preview Rams and Seahawks. But when we come back, the matchup, that's going to be great. A lot of people are looking forward to. 
Dodgers won last night, so that gives us Dodgers and Giants. We'll discuss it when we return right here on Sports 1140 KHDK.